Because I mean, if you've got thoughts, I don't have any thoughts well, today. I so, had a, I had I had you got thought. the whole thing going. You got the <laughs> well, whole thing. You've been down here doing thinking, and I've been upstairs <laughs> meditating and stuff like that. It's been, uh, you know, so I'm, I got the quiet mind going, as you can hear. I got nothing going on. It's. 8.25 a.m. Saturday, August the 4th, 2018. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. <laughs> episode 261. I happen to know this week because last week was episode 260. Man. 261 weeks we have done I don't this. know whether many people are listening to this anymore, though. It's okay. I know. Yeah. You know, it's, they it's probably just, just think, these people these, just geese on. Geese on, yeah. Geese on, dude. <laughs> but I don't care because yeah. I just like talking to you. <laughs> Whether you well, have a nice Mr. Way to kind Mike of, on or it's, not. It's a nice way to kind of catalog some of the topics that we've been covering. And, you know, people have to imagine the 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 length and breadth and depth of the conversations that lead up to this kind of what is a more of a distillation. Yes. Of uh, many prior conversations is what we end up presenting here. So there actually is a sense of uh, synthesis. I got myself a cup of coffee here and I'm going to take me a sip. <laughs> you got to get the hand gesture in there. I can't quite capture that in the audio format. Yeah, ham and eggs. But you've got, you got your thesis, your antithesis, and your synthesis. <laughs> so we cover all that in preparation for the show, although we have no idea when the microphone gets turned on. What actually? You have an idea of when the microphone gets turned on. You turn it on. Well, I know that the microphone has been turned on, but I have no idea what comes after that. (laughs) Is what I'm saying. What comes after that is usually something that is gathered from the aether as we proceed. You know. Totally improvised. Yeah, but but there is there is you know there's a lot of stuff floating around. Is what I'm saying. So we can grab little snatches and bits and niblets and giblets from different uh, portions of the uh, atmosphere and and, uh, (laughs) distill them down into the nonsense that we end up presenting that's that's the modality (laughs) that's that's the template if you will of the bill and diane show (laughs) which is probably one of the main reasons why our listenership keeps kind of slowly sinking in the west but we soldier on because, you know, we are still here talking, so. And uh, the batteries are still working in Mr. Microphone, so we, uh, you know. Mr. Microphone gets turned on, and we do this thing, and then we put it up. And it doesn't feel like soldiering on just to talk to you. you no, know? there's no real soldiering going on here. You're right. It's more of a, but you like to elevate your, your ideas and to make it seem more pompous and, <laughs> and, uh. Floaty doty. Well, when we were talking right before the mic came on, you were saying you have thoughts already about. It. I know. And it was because, because uh, we just watched a interview with Rob Reiner on the Stephen Colbert show, and it was so interesting as I was watching because, you know, Rob Reiner is sort of. <laughs> Uh, he's a perennial because he's been in our lives since we were children. Exactly. Yeah. He's a sort of a... So he's got kind of an elevated kind of sage kind of status. You know? Yes, yeah. he has an elevated sage status. And <laughs> and as I was watching, and he would be bringing up all these things, the Smothers Brothers, Pat Paulson, yeah. 
the mother-in-law, the mothers-in-law, mothers with Eve Arden and Kay Ballard, uh, Desi Arnaz, yeah. uh, and I was thinking about when my when I was young, and somebody would come on a talk show that was of my parents' right. generation, yeah. like Sid Caesar or uh, Buddy Hackett. Or, yeah, somebody yeah. who they had been following, yeah. and they had this reverential feeling towards these people that they passed on to me. Oh, yeah. But I didn't know the history of why they were reverential towards that person because I never saw the show of shows or, right. or was it your show of shows? Your the, show Sid, of shows yeah. the Sid Caesar. Now I've seen clips <laughs> from it and uh, and I just. I mean, I I don't think I've laughed so hard as when I saw Sid Caesar um, doing this pantomime of a, a guy who was at a dance for the first time, at the, for his first prom dance. I just, I was rolling, literally, I was on the floor already, and I was yeah. literally rolling on the floor. But I was thinking, because then he's... Um, Rob Reiner says something about classical gas. And Mason Williams was a writer on the Smothers Brothers show. Right. Was a comedy writer, yeah. And I never knew that either, yeah. so. And then Stephen Colbert turns to his band and says, do any of you know classical gas? And Not and it was, <laughs> they were just looking at him like, you know, total uh, yeah. blanks. Blanks there. And I just was thinking, that's, it's an interesting place to be generationally that you have this whole backlog of of things that you know and uh shows that you've watched music that you've listened to this huge backlog that you know things that are now you know things that are then you know things that are prior to then and prior but your to then. sense is that you know less about things now yeah. than you know about things from the past i have an interesting there's a kind of a continuity uh uh, that was established in my life in that I remember as a kid, in the evenings we would always be down in the rec room, which is where the TV was. And my dad would have his card table set up and he'd be inking cartoons. And we'd all be just kind of sitting, I'd be laying on the floor or something like that, and we'd be watching TV. And on Friday nights, my dad would often let me stay up and watch Johnny Carson because I didn't have to get up in the morning. And so I remember... One time on Carson had Jack Benny as a guest. And Jack Benny came out and the reverence that Jack Benny was, was given as he was brought out and stuff like that. And I remember asking my dad, you know, who, you know, Jack Benny. I mean, I'd heard some of his old radio programs because I used to listen to uh, KVI radio, used to play this thing called Theater of the Mind where they'd play old radio shows from the, from the 30s and 40s and 50s. Uh, in the evenings, every night at seven o'clock was Theater of the Mind on KVI, and it was great. And I used to never miss it, but I didn't know about Jack Benny on television. And so my dad said, "You know, I think they're playing." And on a Tacoma station, uh, I think it was ch Channel Thirteen or Channel Eleven, or it might have been it might have been Channel Nine. It might have been the public radio uh, TV sh station. They were playing the old Jack Benny TV shows. And so we made that a thing that we did together. He, he wanted to introduce me to, to, to the Jack Benny that he knew. And so we started watching the Jack Benny TV show reruns on Channel 9. And it was very funny. And I laughed and roared and, 
had a great time, and it was a bonding experience, an intergenerational bonding experience between me and my dad. And I remember when I was living in Twisp uh, with my two kids, at some point, uh, something we were watching referenced, oh, we were watching some uh, an old Saturday Night Live or something like that. The kids wanted to watch Saturday Night Live, and there was a takeoff on Saturday Night Live of The Honeymooners, the Jackie Gleason program, yeah. The Honeymooners. And I can't remember this SNL skit. Uh, but the kids were asking about the honeymooners. And so I ordered uh, the complete honeymooners uh, set of, C- of DVDs, and the kids and I watched the honeymooners together. So I was able to introduce them to something from my youth, which was the Jackie Gleason show, was huge. And oh, yeah. by the time I was watching the Jackie Gleason show, the original honeymooners had already come and gone. But in the 60s, he had his variety show, and there would always be, the first half of the show would be like variety, and the second half of the show would be Honeymooners. Right, right. You know? And he still had Art Carney, but there was, someone else was playing Alice, and someone else was playing uh, uh, Trixie. But anyway, so there was this, there's this continuity, intergenerational well, and, continuity. I was able to pass that on to my kids. And, and in retrospect, the Flintstones. Yeah, the Flintstones the, was basically the Honeymooners. The Honeymooners, yeah. and... But I, I just find that so interesting about how you can have, because I bet all those band, the people in the band are now going to go and try to hear classical gas. Well, they won't have to look very hard to find it. No, I know. Yeah, but what, be- I, what I mean is that the older generation can spark something in the in younger generations right. by... Uh, by just because I, I was thinking about that's why I was thinking about the whole time I was watching that Rob Reiner thing and I knew all his references <laughs> but I knew all of his references from a very young yeah. you know like when the Smothers Brothers was on yeah. I don't know how old were we it was, was we were pretty the, young that was mid 60s I think <clears throat> uh, so. so but I was thinking how it's just this long line of art and acting and music that goes and you can start at whatever point you're starting at in your life you can go forward and then you can go backward and go backward to all these things that your parents and your grandparents may have introduced you to and it's just wonderful it's nice to be able to provide a historical context for your kids you know like these you know the idea of a sitcom and stuff like that you know you can you can carry that backwards and show them, you know, you remember the first sitcoms that were on the air, you know, and so you can say this is an art form that's been around for a long time and it kind of died out for a while and then it had a resurgence and things like that. And these these talented people uh, that you remember that your kids have never heard of, you know, you can introduce them to that. And then, and it's the same thing with poetry, you know. I, that's why I always thought poetry is taught wrong in the schools because they start with stuff like T.S. Eliot and Walt Whitman and... People have no reference points for that, you know. But if you start with the stuff that's the most current stuff and then provide the, the historical context out of which that thing grew, then that's, that's a way to get young people to attach themselves to poetry. And then they can explore on their own whatever threads right. they grab onto of, uh, of what's current that, they, that appeals to them individually because there's such a wide variety of poetry out there and voices and contexts and geographical uh, uh, 
references and things like that, then they can trace that the history of that particular uh, strain back as far as they want to go. Well, and the thing that I always have thought is wonderful, too, is that if you are interested in an artist of whatever ilk it is, they have had their heroes and their um, influences that made up the whole mix of all those influences came out in their particular voice. And so you can say, oh, well... Who are their interests? You know, you you can thread out to all sorts of people all through your life. Right. You can uh, go down any string of that web and find a fascinating uh, background. Yeah. I always think, for example, I I think I we've discussed on the show before my introduction to um, to the folk Celtic. Right. Uh, music scene um, I had talked about my friend Cindy who had introduced uh, a bunch of things on a folk tape and I right. think that that's where I can identify the first uh, references yeah. but then as I went on it was just like this wealth of uh, you just I, because I just took the references of all those people went on to other references until you have this huge group of uh, particularly Celtic artists for me that uh, became my my heroes. Yeah. And, and then, I mean, I feel like there is such a magnitude of, of things to explore. Yeah. It's like getting, is... to know, getting to know Jim Page was like that for me. It was a musical yeah. education because he's the one who turned me on to Dick Gawkin and he's the one who let me who introduced me to Christy Moore and, yeah. and to not, and the blues guys that influenced him when he was coming up and stuff like that. He got me to listen to music that I never would have found my way to. And yet because you you know there's so much great art out there that you may not even know it exists. That's right. You know, you have no oh, way of knowing unless, unless somebody can lead you to it, you know. So and it's the same with anything that you that you choose to to take possession of, you know. There's a rich history that led up to it it's like you know you hear about when i my history as a songwriter i started out imitating people i started out wanting to sing like john denver and, right. and write songs like john denver and i would have all these songs with the word lady in it because john denver used the word lady you know <laughs> and it just it was completely derivative and really bad but i mean but that's you, where but everybody you, starts that's how everybody mind. starts you yeah. talk to these established poets you know, if you hear them speaking, they talk about how they wrote like this person and that person, and they were trying to find their own way. And you learn how to do something that is uniquely your own by imitating the writers or the uh, or the musicians or whatever that appeal to you. The ones that strike you in the heart are the ones you end up imitating. And by imitating five or six or eight or ten of them, you all of that together somehow forms this new thing and at some point you recognize that I'm not imitating other people anymore. What is this I'm doing now? Oh, this must be me. Yeah. You know? And it really is kind of a conscious, consciousness expanding experience to take a bunch of, of inspirations you know, uh, and combine them all together in your head over time until you come up with your own voice it's it's a it's an interesting pursuit and it's you know you can 
you can trace uh, all these filaments back from anything that you that appeals to you now in this moment you can trace back historically and find a, a rich uh, uh, array of other things that will appeal to you on some level too simply by uh, tracing the influences of the person that you that strikes you now so it's a it's it's a it's a fun life it is fun there's yeah. so many pockets of things you you know you could just go down so many rabbit holes yeah, yeah. that's true so there you go and so then bill had the suggestion of music today that i said that dovetails neatly into where my mind was already heading oh yeah and that's how the, this whole thing began, because Bill was saying, how could you possibly have any thoughts yet? Right, right. So. Funny. Funny how there ended up being some. <laughs> Even I had some. I didn't think I was going to have any today. I thought this was going to be one of those days where... Pardon me, I'm going to have another drink of coffee. You had to do most of the heavy lifting, and I was just going to be kind of sitting here going... You, boy. Yeah, yeah me too. It's good coffee. Yeah. What she said. Yeah, yeah. But it didn't work out that way. Anyway, it's a little scattered. It's a little, uh, you know, it's kind of all over the place. But what the heck? And we finish it off with a little uh, Glenn Miller. No, it's not Glenn Miller. It's uh, Benny Goodman. Benny Goodman. Benny Goodman. Little sing, sing, sing for your Saturday.